please pray. Heavenly Father, uh, again, thank you for your love. Thank you for the love that you have demonstrated for us, that you have provided for us, that you have given to us. And Jesus, as we begin this morning looking at loving one another, uh, we need your help. Uh, we need your help not just to hear, but also we need your help to understand how it is you're calling us uh, as individuals and as a congregation to so uh, to start off, I'll ask a question. Uh, how many of you uh, want to be part of a community or maybe a work uh, environment, maybe a uh, shed or maybe where there is a backbiting, where uh, everyone holds grudges, where there's gossip, where basically you know that you're alone? Some of you might actually be like, that actually describes my job. Uh, that describes the place where I'm at. Probably none of us want to be uh, in that kind of environment. Maybe some of us can say, like, oh, I've been in a church like that. Uh, how about this? How about a place where, a community where, uh, you are, uh, your, your sins are forgiven? A community where you are served and cared for? A community where you know you belong? A community that when something is really weighing you down, people are going to come alongside you and help you. How many of you want to be part of that community? All right. Not enough hands went up, so I'm either, I'm either already lost you, which is not, does not go well for the sermon, uh, or I need you to get a little more engagement in here. Uh, Jesus created us to be that kind of community. And so here's the thing. We're about to enter into this series of sermons where we're going to be looking at relationships, and we're going to be using this word, one another, uh, as, the, as the focal point of the different passages that we're going to be considering over the next few weeks. Uh, the Jesus uses, not just Jesus, but uh, Paul, the, you see in, in the Gospels, in Paul's letters, and in the other letters of the New Testament, which we refer to sometimes as the general epistles, the general letters. You see, in all of these different sections of writing, this word, one another, uh, here, with all these different ways that um, we are told to care for, love, support, pray, be hospitable to one another. There's 59 one another commands in the New Testament. So we're going to be looking at the kind of community that Jesus is calling us to be. Here's the thing. We spent a few weeks ago, we were looking at our mission talking about what does it look like for to be a people that have their being discipled so that the gospel is affecting every part of who we are, but also affecting the way that we engage in our city. Our relationships kind of central to that. Right? Uh, our relationships about the community of how we engage with the people who are closest to us, the people that we work with, even just our neighbor down the street. Uh, and so we want to consider what does it look like to be a people that are formed by the gospel uh, and have gospel-centered relationships. I know that phrase gets tossed around a lot, but I really want you to see that at the core of what we're considering, since today, since the weeks to come, is that the reason we are called to do these things for one another is because we've received these things through Jesus. Now, the reality is that probably many of us, we want to be a part of those kinds of communities, right? Uh, we, we would love to be in a community where people are loving and they're bearing burdens 
the challenge that we face is that as much as we may want to be a part of those communities, we often don't realize that we're not contributing in order to make those communities exist. Uh, it's really easy to want to consume and be a part of that community and fail to see that in order for that community to exist, Deer Harbor, for example, that it's not one person has to love everybody in order for this to be a community that's marked by loving one another, but that it's all of us figuring out what this looks like, personal, that you are personal transformation so that then as a corporate community, there is a rule. So, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, uh, today we're going to look at jump right in, and we're going to look at Jesus' teaching in the, in, uh, the Gospel of John. This is the beginning of, this is, uh, uh, they've already had the, uh, they're in the midst of having the, the Last Supper. Jesus has already washed the disciples' feet. He uh, has already said that Judas is going to betray him and that Peter is going to deny him. And we're about to enter into the section of teaching uh, towards the end of the Gospel of John called the Upper Room Teaching because they're in having the Last Supper. Uh, we looked at part of this a few weeks ago when we did John 15. So these are like, this is it. Like Jesus is dying the next day. Okay? So this is the stuff that he wants to make sure that his disciples hear in the hours before he's betrayed. And, and he begins very early on in his teaching by saying to them, love one another. So we're going to look, first of all, at the principle we are to love one another. We're going to look secondly at the power uh, we love as he has loved us. And then we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians 13. And I don't, uh, so why do I want to just kind of keep 1 Corinthians 13 in front of Then we're going to look at the practice of it, how we actually do it, and we're going to look at the more excellent way that Jesus provides for us. Uh, the word love is, is an interesting word, right? Because you can easily, Don't follow Jesus. Could you really 
Jared Jacobson is a pastor in Seattle, and when we were in Boston, uh, he came and did a teaching of a seminar. And he provided something that has been really helpful for me. And I'm going to give it to you. The first point is really long. The second point and third point are really short. Um, because this framework is that I'm going to try to use it throughout the sermon series. Uh, he talks about four categories of relationships that we have. Uh, there's a, 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 a image of four circle areas. So four categories of relationships that we have. Intimate relationships are those relationships of people who are very close to us. Those are those are the people that maybe like you're married to them, it's a close friend, maybe somebody you're seeing, maybe it's a child, a parent. These are those very intimate relationships where you are willing to open up and bear your soul. Or they know you well, even if you're not always open. You know, some some marriages, for example, uh, personal relationships are those who are a part of your everyday existence, everyday life. Right? These are the people that, that you uh, sit next to every Sunday at church. These are the people in your small group. These are the people, this is your co-worker that you regularly spend time talking through. Uh, these are the people that are in and out of your home on a regular basis. Social relationships are those people that you know, uh, maybe you A depth of relationship there. So a social relationship might be that person at church that's on the other side of the sanctuary and you say hi to them once a week, but you never talk to them again the rest of the week. That's a social relationship. A social relationship might be that person who you, know, you always seem to get in the elevator at the same time of work and you have this ongoing elevator conversation, uh, but you don't know each other much more than that outside of work. Uh, and then the civic relationships are those relationships that just exist by virtue of being in the same space. Uh, so, so a civic relationship could be uh, the people in your building. Uh, it could be somebody that's on your ship, you're in the Navy, somebody that's on your ship that, that you don't actually have any connection to. Maybe you recognize their face, but you actually don't know them at all. And in all of these spheres of relationships, we can have enemies. See, so, so this, these different spheres of relationships, enemies can exist in any one of these. And what Jesus is telling us is that in all these different spheres, we are called to show up. Now, obviously, that looks different depending on what sphere we're talking about. But in all these different spheres of relationships, God is calling us to show up. Now, it can be hard to go, how do I prioritize it? How do I... How do I, how do I, there's lots of relationships. And scripture gives us some wisdom. Now, here's the challenge with the wisdom. Uh, the challenge with the wisdom is that we can use the wisdom of scripture to draw a circle. We can, we can use the wisdom of scripture incorrectly and say, well, these are the people that I'm all about, and everybody else out there I'm about. But the wisdom of scripture won't let you do that. Right? Because you're the one that because your love to those, your neighbor is anybody that comes into your sphere of life. But what is the wisdom? Well, the one and other passages have as their primary reference point of other Christians. That's the primary reference point. The only reference point, but that's the primary reference point for the one and other passages. But this is the way that God's people treat other people who belong to God. This is the way that Jesus' 
You see this in uh, skips the Galatians 6 passage. Galatians 6 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So we don't get them out. Let us do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So that's one way we prioritize these relationships. The second way that we prioritize these relationships uh, is those who are in that intimate and personal sphere have priority in some respects over others. We see this in 1 Timothy 5. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for those in their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than unbelief. And so there's a sense in which while the one, loving one another is something that extends through all relationships, all spheres, we're going to put practical here in a minute about what that looks like. Uh, there are certain times when you're like, how do I prioritize? How do I make decisions? Scripture gives us wisdom. But it's not wisdom to exclude. Very important. Alright, now, so that's the that's the long point. Now let's look at the second point, which is how, how do we love? There is this book that I would read to my kids, it came out and read our kids when they were young called Little P. It's a children's book, and it's a story of this P. Uh, who does not want to have dinner before having their dessert. The catch is that Little Pete, the dinner, does anyone know Little Pete? Alright, what's dinner for Little Pete, okay? Candy. Little Pete does not want any candy. Yellow candy, polka dot candy, candy with a swirl, yeah, doesn't want any of that. But what Little Pete really wants is dessert. What was dessert? Spinach. Alright? Uh, so it's this fun story about you know eating, and it's, the idea is it's a reward, right? Eat your candy so you can have your spinach. Uh, sometimes we treat love that way. Uh, sometimes we treat the commands of Jesus that way. Well, if I can just grin and bear it, then there'll be something good for me on the other end. Uh, the, the love that Jesus is calling us to is not love of simply power through it. Can't power through it. You just can't. I mean, you can try, you can probably get away with it, but it's not going to work. You're going to get exhausted. It's not imitation. It's not simply just do what Jesus did because Jesus told you to follow his example. I mean, that's a part of it. It's not just that. The power of us being able to love one another in the way that, uh, excuse me, the way the power comes from understanding what Jesus said love one another. As I have loved you. Well, how has Jesus loved us? I'm glad you asked. John 13, 34. A new command I give to you is I have loved you, so you must also love one another. That's our passage now. Let's unpack that. John 15. This is in that same section of teaching. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Okay, so we're getting some clarity now about the love of Jesus. Ephesians 5. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 1 John 4. This was our confession, our uh, assurance of pardon. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love this is why it's gospel-centered, right? The, it is the love of Christ demonstrated 
delight in the wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. If you look at the next slide, uh, what you see is I just kind of I, I just, uh, separated it all so that it's easy to, to take it in. Uh, this is what love looks like. These are the practical outworkings of love. And so if you take 1 Corinthians 13 and then you take John, uh, not John 10, Luke 10, the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan, if you take those two passages of Scripture and you read them one with the other, what you begin to get is this really fleshed-out understanding of what love does. Of how love actually looks. Of how you can look at something and say, oh, that, I recognize that. That's love. There's a book I read years ago called Loving the Way Jesus Loves. And what the author does is he takes each of these statements, I don't think he takes all of them, he takes a bunch of these statements and he shows us in the book how Jesus did this, how Jesus loved us in this way. And there's this little line he had in there that I stumbled across this week that just was like, of course, Jesus does nothing without love. Jesus does nothing without love. So if we're to be his followers, if we're to be the people that, that follow in his steps, what does love look like? So what I want to suggest to you is that what love looks like is that we, we go back to those different spiritual relationships. That, that you go back and you consider who are the people in my life that are in that intimate, that personal, that social, and those civic spaces. And then take that list, I'm going to email all these students for now. Take that list of different ways that love is expressed in 1 Corinthians 13. Go to Luke 10 and meditate on the parable of the flock of the Good Samaritan. Uh, you can actually also go to Luke 15 and meditate on the parable of the Father of the Son. That would also be a worthwhile time of, of spending. Um, but go to these passages of Scripture and, and like begin like, this is what love looks like. And then here's the trick, here's the part, here's the hard part. Alright? Here's the hard part. Then begin to pray. Lord, how are you calling me to express this kind of love in the relationships that I have? And so I'll give you some examples just to like get your juices flowing. Maybe God is calling you to love those in the intimate spheres or relationships that you have by not being easily angered. Maybe there are people in your personal sphere of relationships. Maybe there's someone at work or someone on your shed or someone uh, at the hospital you work at. Uh, maybe a classmate, right, that has said something bad about you. Uh, and love is keeping your record wrong. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to express love to those uh, in your social sphere of relationships. Maybe there's a neighbor. Uh, that that you are God's calling you to get to know better. Maybe maybe as has already happened in our church. Maybe the Lord places a refugee in your neighborhood and He calls you to 
We said, hey, foster care is an issue in our city, and we have this relationship with David's heart. Will some of you volunteer to help students at David's heart learn how to budget? And some of you said, yes, I will do that. What was that? That was an act of love. Taking time and going and spending time teaching these students how to shop and cook and live life. So here's the tension, right? This is the community we are called to be. But we can't be this community if we're not all doing it. Now I'm saying that's a guilt. I'm not saying that's a little shame on you. I'm saying that's a little like, oh, that's a talk. No, because we started off saying what? Jesus already did it. He's already made us that kind of community. It's all there. But our responsibility is to foster it. Our responsibility is to follow him. And our responsibility is to actually put feet and action to it. Because, this is a whole other point, but I told you I was going to do this. Because, by this, everyone Who are you calling us to 